thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's start off with, uh, for those of you that have uh, attended our webinar in the past, you all know who I am. But uh, why don't, uh, what we decided to do today was talk to a, a customer of Channel Assist to get a better idea of why they chose to make a channel change or disrupt their channel, uh, especially during this economic downturn. So I'm gonna introduce Greg. Greg, why don't you uh, start by giving us an introduction as to uh, who you are and, and a little bit about uh, Grass Valley. Yeah, sure, Thank, thanks Richard, thanks for having us. Um, so my name is Greg Debresek, I'm Australian by birth. Um, I live in the Netherlands at the moment and I, I work for a, a company called Grass Valley, been with Grass Valley for more than a decade now. Grass Valley is one of those companies that, um, that you've never heard of, but that um, uh, provides solutions to absolute household names. Um, so if you were to put a, a name on our industry, it'd be probably broadcast and media technologies. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's about $10 billion a year as an industry. Um, so relatively niche, but, but very much worldwide. And we were a, a very high tech industry um, you know, where our customers have been operating at six and seven nines for, for decades. So we're the premier supplier of technologies to companies that make live television. So be that sports, like the Olympics, like the Football World Cup, like the Super Bowl, like the NBA, like the Major League Baseball, um, or be that like news, the nightly news or the news breaks um, or news channels um, or even um, live events like The Voice and, and, and those sorts of shows. All of those customers use our technologies to produce um, that, that television. So our customers are the NBCs of this world, the BBCs, the CBSs and pretty much every sporting code and broadcaster globally. Right. Well, it's interesting that most people on this call probably, you're right, probably have never heard of Grass Valley, yet it's a major industry um, that somehow contacts and touches them every day or yeah. their family every day Pretty much. Uh, and, not, and don't know a lot about it. Uh, so your channel, does the do the people that you s sell your product through, are they focused specifically on that industry or are they broader and have multiple industries they focus on? Yeah, so it's um, being a niche, a relatively niche industry and niche tech technology, there's a, there's a fair degree of operators that are specific to our industry. But more and more, as you can imagine, as video technology stops becoming just the purview of those broadcasters and high-end content creators, then that our our technologies and our systems integrators and our resellers have tended to either be acquired or acquire AV systems integrators right. and technology companies and suppliers globally. So some of our biggest partners, channel partners globally, are also some of the bigger um, audiovisual and corporate um, communication suppliers globally. Right. Now, your channel, uh, you, you've, uh, your Grass Valley is one of the large players in this space and has yeah. been for a long time. I mean, Grass Valley has been for, around for how long? It's about 60 years now, 62, right. I think, years. So here you are, uh, a large player in your environment, been around for 60 years. Your channel, everybody in your channel knows who you are. Uh, yeah. they, they, they've had, uh, in a lot of cases, they've had very, very lengthy relationships. Mm. Yet not all not all was well in the world of Grass Valley Channel. Um, how what were the biggest challenges you were facing from a channel perspective? Yeah, well, I, I think that so a, a couple of different a couple of different angles. The first one is that Grass Valley had acquired a significant number of companies over the years. So over the last decade, we're talking potentially six, seven different companies um, that had rolled up into what Grass Valley is today. And that brings with it a, a long legacy of channel partners. And so we, we were struggling with the, the, uh, the ability and the idea of being able to enable and, and engage with those channel partners. Enabling meaning that we had channel partners from some of these six or seven companies that had come to be channel partners of Grass Valley that knew very well some of 
those some of the portfolio, but pretty much nothing about the rest of the portfolio. So it was for us being an incredibly large player in the in the industry and having probably the widest portfolio in the industry, it was really important for us to be able to try and get those channel partners selling across the portfolio. I mean, ultimately, that's how you're successful in businesses, selling more of your products to your, your current clients or finding more clients. Well, funnily enough, it's probably easier and cheaper to send, sell more of your portfolio to your existing clients. Right. So being able to, to build that, in, and, and we call it enabling our, our, our channel, um, was super important to us. But what we'd also seen is that in one or two geographies globally, we'd, we'd really ended up in, a, in quite a transactional relationship with our channel. And by that, I mean that over the years as a company, we'd probably taken our eye off the ball with the engagement of our channel, relying very much on our technology advantage to be able to, to, to drive the channel to sell our products. Well, funnily enough, when you know one or two players come close to you in technology, all of a sudden, it sometimes happens that those channel partners start to go elsewhere. And, and what we'd seen is actually that a number of our channel partners in one particular geography, North America, which is a, a very large territory for us, um, had become less aligned with Grass Valley as a channel, um, to, as, as a go-to-market, and more aligned with a customer. They'd become almost a barrier to the market rather than a channel or a route to the market. So we had to fix that um, right. because ultimately that's unsustainable. Um, so what we what we tended, what we did, and you know, and it was literally, and I remember the day sitting in uh, a hotel lobby in San Francisco after spending a couple of weeks going around the US with our, our director of channels in North America. I sat down and I cold called Paul Schroeder, our salesperson, and I. He, it's usually that you guys cold calling us. I I, call, I made the cold call, and and I said, you know, how do we deal with this? How do we do something better? Because we're going to have to do something. We're going to have right. to change something. And and that's basically how it how it ended up. Well, you you struggle from a very common challenge, right? And that is that uh, companies become too dependent on their product and their brand to uh, position themselves. So, uh, you know, you, you get a little lackadaisical when it comes down to necessarily pushing your product, but not to your customer, to your channel, yeah. right? Uh, one of the things that, that, that we find, and I think those on the call can look around and see the same thing, and that is that companies tend to focus on their end consumer that they're selling to. Um, you know, making sure that they understand the value proposition of their product and uh, what it can do for them. But they fall short when it comes down to the channel and how the channel can help facilitate that. So positioning themselves within the channel. Uh, more and more companies will focus on the senior channel people. So, you know, the vice president of sales, the owners, but they don't root down to the, the, the sales people that, deal with the, the customer every single day. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you kind of had that aha moment where it said, okay, we're losing the mind share of the salespeople. They're not positioning us nearly as much as they did in the past. And we're not seeing that engagement manifest itself in sales. Yeah, I, I think that as you said that we you communicating with the vice presidents and the senior vice president, I was about to say guilty, Your Honor, because it was it, it was exactly that. We'd, we'd sort of, we were thinking, gosh, we've, got great relationships with our biggest channel partners. Great relationships. And what we started to realize, we had great relationships with the people that weren't out there selling anymore. They were the people that, that were rolling up into their stakeholders, that were rolling up into their boards. Um, uh, and we had relationships with them for 20, 30 years. And, um, and they were great relationships. They came to all our events. We went to their events. We sponsored them. They you know, said nice things about us. And then ultimately it wasn't translating into, into sales on the ground. And, and we did, we came to that sort of, that realization that, it, that there was a gap, that there was a gap between the relationship and the brand that we built up over 60 years 
I mean, this, you know, our industry, in, in, in our industry, we're very well known. You know, we were the first of the, the major, um, uh, major technologies all around the world. We've won technical Emmy Awards, technical Academy Awards. We've all sorts of things um, uh, in, in our industry. Um, we, we were the standard in certain products globally um, and as well as in North America. And yet in other products, we were just not even getting a look in. And, we, and it came down to really what you're saying, which is that ultimately the salespeople are human. And ultimately they will go with what's easiest to sell, what is most profitable to sell, or what their customer rings up and says, I'd like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and, and if you at that particular point in time, aren't any one of those three, then unless you do something, unless you change something, all of the platitudes, all of the great relationships with senior executive, unless they are pushing that down with an iron fist, then you're not going to see, you're not going to reap the rewards of that. Right. There's, there's, a, there's a challenge for all salespeople, and that is how do I get new customers? Like Everybody on this call knows it's easier to sell to a current customer than it is to sell to a new customer. So when a new customer knocks on your door and says, hey, I'd like XYZ, XYZ for our American friends and XYZ for everybody else, <laughs> uh, when, I'm, when, I, when I'm looking for those, that specific product, the first thing they're going to do is give them a quote on that product. Rather than setting, stepping back and saying, hey, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? The fear is, is that if you engage that customer, that they'll run away. I just called because I want to quote. Well, if you step back and say, look, it appears that you want to do this. Am I accurate in doing that? Have you looked at all the possibilities in doing that? That's where the opportunity lies. Um, in that salespeople can expand from becoming order takers. And I'm not saying that all salespeople are order takers. That's a lifelong salesperson. Mm. But what I'm saying is, is that we do as salespeople go take the easiest path. So we'll sell to our current customers. We'll try to cold call as little as possible. We'll, we'll hopefully get leads coming our way. And then when someone says, here's what I want, we provide a quote. Rather than positioning that, well, look, have you looked at this product? Because here are new and innovative things they're doing to try to help you, whereas the product you want happens to be maybe the name you've heard of, but not necessarily the best fit. Isn't that engagement? Isn't that sales engagement? Yeah, it is. It, it is absolutely. And I, I think that, I think from our point of view, what we'd ended up in a situation of was that either, it, our solutions are inherently complicated. Right. You know, we, we, we don't make the, the fast-moving consumer good that you go down the road, you buy, and you get, you, know, you, we, you spin up, and then, and then you, you're good to go. Nor do we make the, the, the solution that you download from the website, and you type in your email details and a password, and you're up and running. Right. I mean, that's not so our industry. So we're very much a consultative selling industry. We're very much a complex solution industry. Even... And we're very much a high value solution um, uh, in industry. So a lot of those industries end up with people who know very much what they're talking about on both sides or on all three sides of, of, the, um, of the, the model, of the go-to-market model, the suppliers, the resellers or integrators, and the customers. And so for, for a, a reseller or a systems integrator that, that is approached by a customer or approaches a customer, and that customer might have fairly strenuous and or strident views on what they believe they need. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, quite often you're going to get that systems integrator that's going to say, "Yeah, okay," you know, and and I'll take the order. Thank you very much. There's the alternative, which is the I represent this product, and you know what? If you come to me, I'm going to sell you this product. And then there's a whole world of in-between, you know, and, and, and it's really that world of in-between from the very agnostic systems integrator who's always going to align themselves and prides themselves, sells themselves on their, their neutrality um, and their alignment with the customer through to the 
reseller, traditional reseller, almost extension of the customer's, uh, the, um, the, the supplier's um, sales force. And, and realistically, both of those ends, you're not really going to need or be able to do much with. Right. Um, uh, but it's that big amount of grey in the middle that where most of our sales are actually made. Um, and where the winning or the losing, the growth in sales each year comes from. And so it's about winning more share of their time. You know, we like to call share of wallet, you know, um, uh, with customers. I kind of like the idea of share of wallet with our channel partners, because ultimately that's what we're kind of having to do. We're, right. we're, we're, we're needing to incentivize our, our channel to be able to invest their money, which is time. Time has a cost of money. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting them to invest their time in, in us to learn about our product and to spend time representing our product. Whether that be in a discussion that says, well, these are your options and these are the pros and the cons, or whether it be in the option that you just said, which is someone rings up and they try and dig a little bit deeper and then they say, well, you know, we've got this from Grass Valley, which is, you know, seems like it fits your solution, you know, um, or fits your needs. How about we, we give it a little bit of a, a detail, more detailed look? And I think that's what we were really seeing that the gap, if you will, the requirement to fill. The, it seems to me companies look to explain why their, custom, why their customers or prospects should buy their product, yeah. but they don't spend a lot of time figuring out why should someone sell their product. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, right? so, so the idea is, I, I hate to say this because it's not 100% true, but hmm. it, it's pretty consistent and that is what's in it for me. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot more of that culture um, where people will sit back and say, okay, well, what do I get out of this? So there are gonna be companies, people from large companies and people from small companies watching this webinar. Uh, the people in large companies that have well-known brands, uh, the, the, their position's a little different than the smaller companies. So the well-known brands can probably relate to you quite well. 60-year-old brand, uh, everybody in your channel knows who you are, everybody in the industry knows who you are. That's a, that's a big advantage. So the challenge they're gonna have is getting lackadaisical and not continuing to push and engage at the channel level. The issue that the smaller unknown brands are gonna have is who are you? Why should I spend any time learning about your product whatsoever? And you addressed it with your, your last comment, and that is um, it's not about selling the product. It's about putting the investment of time to learn, understand the value proposition, how to handle objections, um, what the pr product problem it solves. And that's that investment of time that, Vendors are asking channel sales reps to make so that they can be much more informed when they're having conversations. But if I'm a channel sales rep and I see a new brand, the first question I'm going to ask is, why would I sell that? I've been selling this over here forever and having success. So that brand has to do more. They have to show that they're in it for the long haul. It can't be just a pure technology play. Hey, we have the latest technology because tomorrow they're not going to, right? That's going to change. Yep. It's going to be what investment are you, the vendor, going to make in me, the channel sales rep, that's going to say, yeah, you're worth my time? Yeah, yeah. And I don't see, I don't see companies doing that nowadays. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think that there's also the other side of the coin. So we're, we're a very established brand, long-term brand um, in our industry, very large brand in our industry. Right probably the premier brand in our industry, along with a name that you'll all know, Sony, which has a broadcast, um, uh, a broadcast division. What we've struggled with to a certain extent is that idea of, you know, maybe the Mercedes-Benz type problem of expecting that our brand is going to get us everywhere. Right. Our brand alone in many ways. And, and while we continued to market to the, the end user. We weren't marketing to our channel. 
Mm-hmm. And what we ended up seeing was we had a gap. We had a gap in the go-to-market. It was almost a chasm in that go-to-market that we needed to build a bridge across. And to a certain extent, that bridge is, was really around making it worth the salesperson at our channel partners while to really understand our solutions. Our industry, like a lot of industries, is going through changes, technological changes, and they're speeding up. You know, it, it took, from black and white to colour, took about 40 years, 50 years, um, from the beginning to the, um, of the very beginning of television to the colour. Right. From S standard definition colour to H, um, HD, to, to high definition colour, took about 20 years. From high definition to 4K televisions, taken about seven years. So every every generation is is kind of halving um, in terms of the, the the time frame that it's taking. When are you getting to hologram, holograms? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, we're now, and we're not immune to the idea of IP technology, which is full on in our industry now. And nor are we immune to the cloud technologies and the and the platforms. Um, that are that are coming along and that we're taking advantage of. We're having to take advantage of within our industry. So if those technologies are coming along at a quicker and quicker rate, and we're struggling as manufacturers to keep up with them, imagine a channel partner who's trying to deal with 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 brands across our entire industry from people who make lights for studios to people who make, build OB trucks, outside broadcast trucks that shoot the Super Bowl. You know, one costs you 20 bucks and one costs you 20 million, you know, and, and sort of everything in between. One, you walk out the door, you switch it on and it's set. The other one takes you five months to build, you know, um, and you've got it, you want to be using for 10 years. So it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a very different um, uh, industry these days to when a lot of our salespeople in our channel partners began. Right. And so being able to try and keep them engaged, being able to try and keep them investing their time, because let's face it, humans are inherently lazy. We have to be. We need to, we need to keep our time precious because we only have so much of it. We're, we're trying to work for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, making a living, trying to make as much uh, trying to sell as much, bring as many orders and revenue into our company to to make it profitable. If I can do that selling $20 lights, maybe that's easier than selling $20 million outside broadcast trucks. I think it kind of is. But at the same time, what we as a company need to be doing is trying to get people interested and invested in learning of how to sell those $20 million broad, outside broadcast yeah, it's, you, you touched on the multiple brands that someone can sell. And that comes, that comes back to the question of why sell your brand? Mm. Uh, but sometimes it's not even why sell your brand, but how do you get them to, you know, how you get them to align with what your strategy is? You, you could have, you alone could have a thousand products. And some of those products, you know, over time get phased out and you want them to focus on specific products. So the, 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 the point is, how do you get them to focus not only on Grass Valley, but how do you get them to align with what your corporate objectives are? You don't have the time, the resources to talk, sit down and talk to every single sales rep. No. Right? And, and you don't have the time to say, look, we have a thousand products. We need you to focus on this suite of products. Well, yes, it's great you sell that suite of products, but we want you, we want you to sell this. If you don't spend time with those sales reps, how do they know? Yeah. Right? How do they know how to position them? How do they know what the value proposition? How do they even recognize an opportunity? Yeah. Right? An opportunity knocks on their door, they make a core, they cold call to a customer. A customer says, I've got this problem. But if they've never understood what that product solves, the problem that that product solves and how to deal with the objections that are, are, are guaranteed to come up, you're gonna lose them. And they're gonna lose the opportunity as well because they haven't been properly informed. 
So it's not just about engaging amongst a thousand brands, it's actually fine tuning to be in alignment with what your goals and objectives are as an organization to make sure that they are pushing the right ones. Really, quite frankly, they need to be your direct sales rep. How do you inform them like a direct sales rep? The tools, the resources, the compensation that make them think, okay, how am I going to sell more of this product for Grass Valley today so it makes me more money? Yeah, because I, I, like I said before, is humans are inherently lazy. And I, didn't, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a human behavior way. Right. Um, and so, well, if we know that, why not use that? Why not play on that? inherency in, in, in humans. Why not say, ultimately, if, if, a, if a human has, if a person, a salesperson has so many hours in the day, why not influence them or incentivize them in some particular way to spend time with your brand? Because ultimately, they've got to make a priority choice. Sure. They can't do all 100 brands each day nor can they learn everything about all 100 brands. Ultimately, they're gonna to have to make a, a choice, a judgment call on what's going to be best for them. Well, what we thought we'd do is that we thought we'd try and influence that. We thought we'd try and influence that, and ultimately, how do you influence that? Well, you, you, you incentivize people to learn about your product. You incentivize people to get out there and find opportunities for your product. And you incentivize people to fight for your product. And, and, and if you can do all three, then I tell you, you're, you're, you're halfway there, maybe you're more than halfway there um, uh, towards winning them over. And, and ultimately, if you've got, once you've got them knowledgeable about the products, and once you've got them knowledgeable about your technologies and, and how to sell your technologies, that's really sticky because it's, it's, a, it's a quite a high barrier to entry for someone else to come in and to Absolutely. be able to do that. You know, some of the best advice I got when I became a sales manager way too long ago to talk about um, was to treat, to tell each salesperson that they're running their own business. And I, I still use that today. And any of my staff that happens to be on this call is probably smirking, thinking that's what I say on a regular basis now, is run your business. So imagine that each salesperson that works for a reseller or an integrator, imagine that they got that advice, that it's their business. This isn't an emotional decision that they're gonna make. In running their business, they have to identify the market that they're gonna go after. Now, in many cases, they get that market assigned them, but even within that market that they've had assigned to them, there are still areas that they're gonna focus on, be it specific companies, specific industries, or specific solutions within large companies. So if they're gonna pick an area to focus, shouldn't they, or wouldn't they pick an area of focus that gives them the largest upside? So yeah. that their business can be as profitable as possible. So profitability is not about making the most money. What it is about is making the most money with the least cost. So if they spend as little time as possible to learn and as much time as possible positioning and selling, isn't that what they should be looking at? And isn't that what, it, that's, isn't that what a vendor should be striving for, is to provide the services and engagement tools that allow a person to do that. So I have two vendors I'm going to deal with. One says, here's my product, here's my price list, off you go. I have a portal, by the way, and it has a thousand different products you can train on and you can spend a whole year learning about all my products, but hold a second. Now I'm spending all this time on learning your product, but I'm not spending any time on selling the product. Or you could go to vendor B and vendor B says, look, we want you to sell a subset of our solution. We're going to train you on the most important issues and how to deal with objections and how to identify opportunities in as short a time frame as possible so you can spend more time selling. Now, which one would a business person deal with? Yeah. Right? I, 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 think, I think the other thing was that what we realized that was, and I go back to that, that potential around connecting with the management and, but not connecting with the salesperson, is that it's super important to realize that, as you said, that person about running their own business 
that, that individual contributor to the organization, that, that quite often we were seeing that that individual contributor's motivations were not exactly aligned with the organization's motivations. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how hard you push at the management level, if those motivations, those objectives, those drivers are not 100% aligned, and I would challenge anyone in any organization to say that everyone in their organization's motivations are 100% aligned with their organizational objectives. But if you're not, then there's gonna be leakage. There's gonna be leakage of your investment. But if you're targeting both, I'm not saying do away with the idea of engaging with the management of an organization. Right. Ultimately, if they're good managers, they're going to be setting the objectives and the direction of the organization. But if, if you have, so we have th around 300 channel partners globally. Again, like I said, a niche, fairly niche industry, but 300 relatively large, some small, some many large um, integrators and, and resellers globally for our, um, and they probably have between five and 25 salespeople on, on average. So let's just say 10 on average. So there's 3,000 people that we're trying to get to, um, to be able to, to really engage around the selling as well as the technologies of the solutions we provide. We just didn't have the ability to scale, <laughs> nor like not even not even on a, on a normal level. But throw in the huge transformation of technologies um, uh, that, that we're going along with, and the different business models that those new technologies are bringing up. I mean, we're we're an industry that's going through the idea of capital versus operational costs. You know, SaaS versus. Um, traditional, you know, um, pay once perpetual license model things, the same things that many technology companies are going through. But how to train, how to in, engage with, how to build up an inherent understanding between us and that, those channel partner salespeople at, at that sort of scale was, was we, were, we found really, really difficult let alone to, to form that engagement. And so being able to do something where it is scalable was super important because we can't keep, yes, we'll go and visit channel partners. Yes, we'll hold webinars. Yes, we'll see each other at trade shows. Yes, we'll engage um, uh, in opportunities. But the reality is that many of those are tactical rather than strategic. Many of those are focused on the here and now and what have we got to do to make this dollar rather than the how can I build something where you know the dollars will continue to come. The, uh, my, my first sales job was as an account manager managing resellers. Um, I worked for a, a, a very, very well-known brand uh, uh, globally. And I, the, this is how I approached my job. I focused on the partners that were doing the best and I focused on the sales reps that had big deals. That's where I spent my time, rightly or wrongly. That's where I spent my time. It's very easy to do. <laughs> right? Because it's easier to convince people to sell my product when they're already convinced. Yep. Uh, right? Those are the big partners. <laughs> um, it's hard work to convince individuals to sell my product one at a time. So I didn't do a lot of that. So I believe that every single vendor has that problem. You have 3000 potential salespeople out there that are treated like channel salespeople. Um, you put something on a portal that gives them access to your information and well, you hope, and we all know, and the common book, hope is not a strategy. So, but your guys, your account managers, most likely will focus on big deals yep. tactically and work on the partners that sell your product most regularly. And more than likely, not to put words in your mouth, that's anywhere from five to 20% of all those sales reps that can sell your product. Those are the ones that tend to sell it. Is that a pretty accurate statement? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I'd say so. We, um, you know, for our business is about 50-50 direct sales versus channel sales globally. And, um, you know, and so, I mean, that's hundreds of millions of dollars a year that we're selling through our channel. And realistically, those hundreds of millions of dollars are generally sold by roughly a less than 20% of those channel partners. You know, we, 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 focus, we talk about that 80-20 rule. Yeah, look, you know what? It's more like 90-10 in our, in our world. Um, uh, so, I mean, it, it is very much that case that we've got a, a, a small few who are exceptionally good at it, who are exceptionally loyal, who are exceptionally engaged, who are making lots of money doing it. The growth, unfortunately, is not always going to come from them. It does come from them because they are the ones out there searching the market for new opportunities. But the reality is we can't rely on them only for growth, nor right. can we rely on them always being 100% engaged, 100% loyal. Right. And I think that was the, that was the, the, the thing we had to disrupt. We'd gotten to a stasis in our, in our market, in our system, in our, in our go-to-market, where we didn't want to be. We needed to, we needed to get back to that idea of engaged salespeople, particularly in North America, in channel salespeople, channel partner salespeople in North America. We'd gotten to a point where we had a bunch of gatekeepers to customers. And so it was that was the disruption we had to, we had to, we had to break that stasis, that break that sort of that negative model that we'd built unconsciously for ourselves over those years of consolidation of companies. And so you, you, you put that together with all of a sudden we're building a system to be able to do that, to scale out, to be able to, you know, with you guys, with Channel Assist. And then along comes this big bad beast called Corona, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and changes everything for everyone, you know, and, and, and in, a, in a way you kind of, all of a sudden you're faced with a pretty stark choice. You know, do you, do you save money? Do you go into the shutdown shop, save money, cut marketing like, like a lot of companies are doing? Absolutely. Or do you, you know, and ultimately maybe we're a little bit more risk taking than, than some companies, but you know, we made the decision instead to, you know what? No, let's let's lean into it. Let's, you know, let's be like a motorcyclist and lean into the corner, knowing that we're going to have more momentum coming out of the corner. You know, we we decided to that that if when if you're in a time where people aren't spending, there's less voices. And imagine if when less there's less voices, if you're getting louder in your voice. Right. Um, uh, with the channel partner. And, and, and you combine that with the fact that a whole bunch of people were at home for the first time in months or years. And they had a whole bunch of time when they weren't traveling the country or the continent or the globe selling or implementing solutions. I mean, it's a perfect opportunity. You know, but at, right at that time, we've got a lot of most um, uh, companies saying, no, 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 we've got to, we've got to slash costs. We, we've, got to, we've got to shut ourselves down. Well, we sort of said, well, you know, maybe we're going to buck this trend. Maybe we're going to take the opportunity to, to invest more. So for those that obviously don't know, um, Grass Valley uh, agreed to work with Channel Assist in December of last year. And the timing of their rollout was, I believe, May 2nd this year, and the pandemic had. Um, and rather than, as, as Greg so eloquently put it, rather than sitting back and waiting, they doubled down. Uh, the absence of noise allows you to be louder, as, as, as Greg, as you said. Uh, you can read all kinds of articles around economic downturns and the companies that make quantum leaps during those opportunities. Uh, the, the time when everybody else is sitting back and being conservative that's slashing budget, and I know I recognize that 
listen, Channel Assist had to do it too. We had to figure out how do we manage our budget uh, to, to, uh, to be viable, but at the same time, how do we go after a market that's otherwise going to be quiet? And my thinking's always been, just because you can't necessarily, even if you can't spend at this particular point in time, you can still think about what to do so that as soon as the, the, the arrow starts going up, when the economy starts picking up, as it's starting to do now, you're ready. You're ready to go. So you can pull the trigger and jump out of the gates way quicker than anybody else, even if those financial constraints are an issue for you. But as you said, the absence of any noise means that it gives you an opportunity to gain more leverage and more engagement with your channel because they're looking for things to sell. They're suffering from the same challenge you're suffering. Each one of those small little businesses of one single channel rep have the same problem that Grass Valley has, that Channel Assist has, that anybody has. And that is, damn, it was a crappy second quarter. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yet, the, and yet the second quarter's investment potential was immense because all of a sudden we had a huge amount of our partners' sales forces in a position where they could spend that time learning. They could mm -hmm. spend that time getting to understand. They could build that momentum. I mean, I pitched this idea to my CEO on the basis that we were going to have a return on investment. Right. We're just like any other company. We need to show a business case for, for investment. And that return on investment said, you know, we're going to make X amount this year on this investment. I'll, I'll say it straight out. It was six times our investment in year one we were going to make in the returns um, uh, based on the increased revenues that we saw for it. Well, when COVID comes and we lose the better part of four months globally, because reality is in, in Asia and in Europe, it started earlier than in the US. So when we, when we learn when, that this is coming down the track, we all of a sudden automatically are gonna have less time to see that investment recouped because we're gonna have less time to be getting out there selling our products. Right. So I, I said to the guys, look, reality is now guys, we're gonna have to spend money quicker we're going to have to invest quicker. We're going to have to drive you guys to deliver quicker because if we don't, then we're not going to have that momentum coming into Q3, coming into Q4, driving through into 2021 when the economy does pick up, when, the indus when our industry does pick up, when people do see the route to investment again and a, and, and a, and a case to, for making money again in, in our industry. We're not going to have that momentum if we don't double down now. And so it was, you asked me at the beginning of our discussion um, a, a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, you know, why? Why did you do that? You know, to, it was it's straight out. It was like, well, I saw an opportunity rather than a threat. Just saw, straight out saw an opportunity and, you know, thought, well, why don't we just grab it? The... Um I think that the channel reps are going through the same problem, right? And if you give them a choice to make more, to have greater opportunity, they need to catch up on their Q2 as well, yeah. right? So the, if I'm a sales rep, I'm looking and saying, okay, you know what? It was a really bad Q2. My quota hasn't changed. I still have to sell, sell the same amount. Um, my salary and my income is based on my quota. So what can I do? to make up on that 2Q loss. If I sell Grass Valley products, which are now giving me an incentive to sell the product versus what I was selling before, I'm gonna actually make a bigger bump on Grass Valley. So I'm gonna get on top of that and sell more of Grass Valley. And that's gonna go after that 80% that, that weren't selling it before. Yeah. The guys that were selling it, they're gonna start selling more, seeing an opportunity, but that 80% that weren't, you get one, two, three more transactions out of them, all of a sudden your growth, that's where your growth is on steroids, right? Because like that's you said, right. the people that have been selling your product, they're gonna benefit from this engagement program. But the people that are gonna drive that significant double digit growth, 
that's going to come from the people that weren't selling as much of your product before, but now you've given them a reason to sell your product. Absolutely. And, and where they were once upon a time selling, when we go back to that, that, that example, once upon a time selling that $20 light, they can't sell enough $20 lights for the rest of the year to make their numbers. No. So if we're in a situation where we're giving them the incentive, we're giving them the knowledge, we're giving them the tools to be able to sell the more high value items, they've got to sell less of those to get to their numbers. So it's a, in a way, it's a, a bit of a perfect storm for, for us, if you, if you want to look at it optimistically, that the potential is, well, you know, I'm going to go after that big deal. I'm going to go after it. Yes, of course, I'm going to try and sell my run rate stuff, but I'm going to go after that big deal because that could transform my year. Right at the time when people are starting to look at blue sky and people are starting to see business cases um, for, for revenue coming out, well, they're, they're going to be looking around. Where, what solution am I going to use to actually deliver on that? And if you're a young salesman or you're a salesman in, that hasn't really been dealing with us before and all of a sudden you've got yourself all tooled up and you're ready to go, why not give it a shot? Absolutely. And the more people that give it a shot, it's just maths. The more people that give it a shot, in the end, at scale, the more revenue you make. And that's a perfect way to, to end this conversation. And uh, I, Greg, I'd like to thank you for taking the time uh, uh, late in the day over in the Netherlands uh, for having this conversation with me. Uh, we touched on a lot of different things, and I hope that those that are, that are listening have heard that there's an opportunity to engage your sales force, and that's where the growth is going to come, uh, treating your channel more like the direct sales force. There's an opportunity for you as organizations to engage where today your numbers don't allow you to do it. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to Brooke and, and see if there's any questions in the, uh, in the 10 minutes that we have left. Uh, so Brooke, I'm passing over to you. Greg, thanks again. Uh, do, do we have any questions for, uh, for Greg? Uh, we do, and thank you both for uh, such an engrossing and illuminating conversation. We really appreciate it, Greg, uh, for joining us today. Um, there is a question, um, and please feel free to add more questions in the Q&A button below. First question is actually touches upon sort of the training your channel reps. Is it more important to train your channel reps on your technology versus pure sales incentives, or do you think it's a balanced approach when you're talking about the channel? It doesn't work just to give sales incentives. It, straight out, I'll just say it straight away. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Um, you have to have a balance. What we've done is we've actually worked on incentives to train. So the idea is that there's a small incentive program, and I'm not talking about thousands of dollars, but I'm talking about for every hour that you invest in training, you know, for us, I think it was for every hour you invest in training, it's $100. You know, now, I'm not saying that that's the, the right number for everyone. But I'm saying that, you know what, if someone's got an hour to spend and they get to choose how they're going to spend it, for me, training on my solutions and receiving an incentive to do it, a financial incentive to do it, is brilliant because I get the benefit of that training. They get the benefit of that training through the incentive, but they also have the, the, the benefit of being able to then be a lot more knowledgeable about, about that particular solution. And it's not just the solution that we need to train them in and that we, we've, we realised that we needed to train them. It's so much about the business model or the pitch or the, 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 prop, the value proposition, whatever you want to call it. Because ultimately it's about connecting that dots, those dots from the need to the actual solution. Most people don't really give a stuff to be honest about what the technology is that they use to achieve their business aim. Most of our customers are not technologists. They're actually the producers of the actual content. Yes, they have technology people in their organizations. And yes, those technology people work with us to deliver the solutions, but they could give two hoots about 
the technology. They're after delivering the content that makes them their revenue. So if you can provide that for your salesperson, for the channel salesperson, then you're giving them a huge amount of value. Plus, you're giving them incentive to do it. Great, thank you, Greg. Uh, second question here. As a decision maker, what visibility does a channel program give you as an input into your decision making process? So as a decision maker, I'm, I'm a little unsure about what the, the, the root of the question is. As a decision maker, um, our channel partner giving me information into what sort of decision making process. So I, I think the question is, is more about when you launch this channel program, yeah. what sort of visibility or what sort of, I guess, metrics or what sort of data points are you going to be getting that's going to help you sort of in your future decision making process? Okay. So I think that we have metrics coming into the decision to engage in a scalable solution to, to invest, you know, to incentivize people to, to learn about our products, to engage our customers, um, to be able to fight for our products. And, and those, those metrics, in, you know, included simple things like, you know, what percentage of our people was, of our channel were selling our products, you know, what was the average um, opportunities registered per um, uh, per individual company, per individual salesperson from our channel. You know where were we where were we going trajectory wise in our channel and stuff like that. Those were the those those led to the decisions that we made. The beautiful thing about the solution that we're doing here, and I'm I'm not wrapping these guys because they're paying me to do it or anything. I'm I I, I mean I was just interested. It was one of the things that sold us on this solution is that. You get so much granularity about the, the information that's coming back from this in these programs. You know, I can I can basically look at an individual and see where they're going, and through that, kind of divine what they're interested in, whether it be what their business is interested in, or what their customers are interested in, or even what they're interested in, and be able to tailor our approach to that individual um, or that individual organisation. I get that from not just the sales that they make here, but I get that from the, the things they're interested in learning about, from the opportunities that they're registering, from the, the demos that they're organizing. Um, so I get forward indicating metrics as, as, uh, as much as the, the empirical metrics. And thank you so much uh, to both of you, uh, Richard and Greg. Really appreciate the opportunity for you to share your thoughts and uh, your expertise at the channel. And again, thank you all to everyone for joining us today. Cheers. Thanks, Greg. Cheers. Thanks, Gus. Take care.